What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I wanted to just throw this in in the beginning. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. That really helps our numbers. Check out the merch store at brennantcomedy.com slash merch store to get your ex-drinking buddy merch. And if you really want to, subscribe on Patreon, patreon.com slash brennantassif. That really helps me out. Thank you so much. Enjoy the episode. Grab me a beer and grab him a coat. We about to sit for an hour bullshit and tell jokes. And please don't mix it up, cause he didn't sober up. Brandon T. Comedy on your social media feeds. And Brandon Tess, here, bitch, your ex drinking buddy. Brandon Tess, here, bitch, your ex drinking buddy. Brandon Tess, here, bitch, your ex drinking buddy. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Brennan Tassif is your ex drinking buddy. I'm your host, Brennan Tassif. If you are new to the show, quick rundown of the show. I used to be everyone's favorite drinking buddy. It was my favorite thing to do. Get drunk, do drugs, get in all sorts of trouble, and then hang out with people and reminisce about those crazy stories. I am sober now, but it is still one of my favorite things to do. Hang out with people and reminisce about the crazy old days. Most weeks I will be joined by a guest. This week is no exception. <laughs> all the way from New York City, Denise. Sips. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. I'm so excited because um, I am not a drunk anymore. Thank no. God. Yes. <laughs> so I like myself. I love myself a lot more now. That's you know? beautiful. Yeah. Tell everybody before we get too far into it, plug everything up front, social media, anything you got going on. This will come out in about two weeks. Okay. Awesome. So um, I run, uh, I'm California, well, I'm not California, so because I still have a couple drinks, but I run, I'm, I'm a cannabis <laughs> advocate. I'm a cannabis advocate. I do like how you caught yourself on that because I've had guests in here be like, yeah, I'm sober. And then they go into talking about like all the drugs that they do and stuff. And I go, that's not what that means. <laughs> I know. I just don't drink a lot anymore thank okay. god um but so i run a stoner comedy talk show called the hot box where i get comedians high and then interview them late night talk show style that sounds like so much fun it's so much fun and it's like a vibe it's a vibe like i hate that and a hangout so like that i'm doing a brunch version on december 11th okay. i don't know if this is gonna yeah, come out, come out before okay you. cool so everybody should come to that because like we're basically taking over a sick duplex rooftop apartment in Flatiron. That'll be sick. Yeah. And I have a chef and everything. So that you can find me on Instagram at Denise Sibs, D-A-N-I-T-S-I-B-S, or at thehotbox.nyc. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We kind of uh, met each other. Uh, luckily, the podcast um, has gained a little bit of traction because yeah. you reached out to me and you said, hey, I've got some stories I should come on. And I was like, well, hell yeah, let's do it. And then you got, you had this car accident and then you oh, had yeah. surgery and stuff. And then the scheduling kind of came off the rails. What happened? Are you, you're doing better though? Everything's going well? Yeah, I'm doing better. The car accident was actually in March. So it's been like really rough. Fun fact. Um, Doctors don't listen to women. Don't care. They, they I don't think me... doctors listen to anybody. That's true, Because I've been to the hospital quite a few times, and they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, stop making me feel like I'm crazy. They made me feel like I was totally crazy. They couldn't figure out, like, what was really happening. It was basically like some doctors didn't think my discs were worth operating on or whatever okay or and we and you want to try conservative treatment anyway like yeah. so i had three cortisone epidurals 
I think they fucked up my hormones and that's why I sweat even more than usual. Oh, really? Yeah, something happened. Uh, and then it didn't work. So I finally got um, cervical spine surgery Jeez. at Hospital for Special Surgery. They're amazing. Yeah. Um, so I got shout that. Out. From, yeah, Hospital shout out. HSS. Surgery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because that happened. I was in a car accident. I think I've told this story before, but after my uh, first DUI, I was like biking to school. Okay. And this is in Florida and someone just took a turn. Cause they saw the green light and I was going through the crosswalk and they just smacked into me, but oh, it was the no. same kind of thing. Like, so they ran all these MRIs and CAT scans and all this stuff. And they're like, well, you n probably need back surgery, but then they, they always do that thing where they go, but there is like a small percent chance that something could go wrong and you could never walk again. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what are my other options? They go, mm -hmm. well, it's a really small percent. And I go, what are my other options? So they did the epidurals. And yeah. They worked for a little while, but now it's just now it's just something I just deal with. It's just What level does your pain get to? So mine depending on the day. So I they said that working out especially my core would really help cuz yeah, it takes yeah, pressure yeah. off the spine. But like I've got like two herniated discs, two bulging discs between my spine and my neck. Okay. And they um so my pain level there's some days where I get out of bed and I like cannot walk. Like I have yeah. to like go slow. Once I warm up, I'm fine. But in the morning, it's probably like a seven or an eight. That's a high. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I finally had a night that I crawled on the floor. Oh, you and did? And I couldn't even get myself up. Like it took me a full five minutes to get to my apartment front door. And I lifted myself up like with the And that's when you were like, nap. this is done. And that's why I was like, there is something very wrong. And yeah. if these fucking assholes can't figure it out, am I allowed to curse on yeah, here? Fuck okay, yeah, you are. Yeah, okay. Then I'm going to go to someplace else. And, um, you know, HSS is so elite. So you have to send in your records first and then you have to be invited to see the doctor. So it took time. Like yeah. the night that I was crawling on the floor, I already had my appointment with my surgeon but okay. it was just like you know a few a few like a month and a half away but you're doing better now yeah 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 not Cervical fully operational are... but yeah no this was the answer okay <laughs> this was the answer because well, i do follow you on social media <laughs> so you. it is i see your posts your yeah. morning thoughts and everything oh yeah i love when someone's like i don't want your morning thoughts get off my page yeah you don't have to be here I don't need you. Also, you're he's a creeper. Here's the thing about Instagram <laughs> with women as we as us that are trying to put everything out there. Like I'm trying to be an I am sort of a cannabis influencer. Not sort of, I am. I get yeah. like paid per post. Like I do have that now and some partnerships, which is really exciting. And then I also want to showcase my comedy. It's like, but I want to feel safe. Like if Absolutely. you're gonna say something weird. I'm restricting you right away. Yeah, you have to. And it's – so I didn't know this and this is just my own ignorance. But when I go through people's stories, a lot of times I will like like or like do the little like fire emoji yeah. or something. And then a comic the other day – because I've been in a – I was in a relationship for the last four years. We okay. recently broke up. But okay. like I was in a relationship for so long, I just didn't think about it. And then a comic the other day made a joke where he's like, you know when you're on Instagram and you react to their stories, you know when you're like flirting with people? And I go, wait, 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 wait. I was like, that's not flirting. I was like, that's just me like, you know, gassing them up. Like, yeah, let's go. And he goes – no, that's flirting. No, it's no, I, I'm I like, on your side. I panicked. I was like, I'm like 34. Like, I don't know the rules to this. I'm 39. I don't know any rules. Let me tell you, the rules are just nothing goes anymore. Yeah. Everybody does whatever they it's want. It's the fucking Wild West out there. It's the Wild West. And, and I just 
like there are people I just want to talk to. Like I reach out to you. Like basically when I knew I was having surgery, I was like, okay, it's podcast time. Yeah. Like I want to try to get on podcast um, because like I don't know how state the stage is going to be. Like mm-hmm. I, I've done one one show. I saw that and you yeah. said it was it was kind of a lot. It was a lot, yeah. but the show was great. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really But I fun. remember seeing, again, your morning thoughts the next day <laughs> where you're like, what the fuck? It's brutal out there. Like, it, it's people, do, my own sister, she's never going to listen to this, so I could say whatever I want. She doesn't understand the gravity of my surgery. Yeah. Like, she doesn't, but she didn't understand in the beginning. Like, we went to see Amy Schumer. And I couldn't walk after because we were sitting down for mm-hmm. so long. And she was like, so nasty. I was walking so slow behind Stop her. being dramatic. Yeah, she was a... like, oh, I don't understand why you're like this. All you did was sit. I was like, well, then you don't understand the spine. Yeah. Because I get it, I get it all it. the time with uh, being sober. Okay. Like, um, because I, I went to rehab in 13 and then in 2013 and then I'd kind of been in and out of like being sober. And then okay. when I almost died the last time, I was Shit. like, yeah, I was like, all right, they've heard the story a million times. I haven't though. I On my 30th birthday, I got, long story short, I got really in my head and really in my feelings. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to drink because that's the only way I know how to quiet all this noise. And okay. two days later, I ended up, <clears throat> excuse me, waking up in a hospital room. And the doctor was like, you should be dead. How I don't even know how you're awake. And I was like, oh, boy. What? How, like, do, did you pass out somewhere? Who so I was at home and I was drinking. I had a friend in town that I hadn't seen in a while. He's my gay best friend from Daytona. He was like, I'm coming to see you on your birthday. I'll be in Jacksonville. And okay. I texted him my address. My birthday was on a Tuesday. I drank. When I got home from work, I had no intention of drinking. And then I was thinking about it. I'm a twin. And I was like, <gasps> I can't. Twin. Yeah, I was like, I can't believe it. My twin sister, who used to get in all the trouble when we were kids, now is married with a full life and kids yeah. and a career. And I'm still waiting tables. I wasn't doing comedy at the time. Okay. I had taken like a three-year break. I was like, I stopped doing comedy, which is what I loved. Yeah. I'm barely surviving. I was like, I've I've thrown away my entire life. Because I was pre-law and a Division One football oh, player. Oh, I'm a lawyer. Yeah. So I, like, I had all this stuff going for yeah. me. And then everything just spiraled out of control. And I was like, I've failed. So then I just started drinking to like quiet all the noise. So fast forward, Wednesday, I remember waking up Wednesday night and this is the thing I always say is I looked in the mirror and I thought you're going to die here alone and that's exactly what you deserve. And then I pass out. Well, apparently I'm the kind of person who always locks his front door. Okay. And apparently when I had taken an Uber Wednesday morning to go back to the liquor store because I'd already gone through a whole handle of vodka. Do you remember that? I remember taking the Uber to the liquor store because it was at like 8 a.m. Okay. And then I got home and then it's very fuzzy after that. But apparently Mm -hmm. I never locked my front door. Thank God. Which I normally always do. So Marquise was in town and he's very much like, if I say I'm going to come see you, I'm going to come see you. Not like a buddy where you're like, ah, I guess they're busy. And then they just like, okay. Marquise was like, no, I fucking said I was going to come see you and I miss you and I'm going to come see you. So he was texting me and I wasn't answering. He was banging on my door and I wasn't answering. So he just opened the door and found me on the floor. Oh, shit. And rushed me to the hospital. That's, That's the universe looking out for you. Yeah. So, but it's so interesting now what we were talking about earlier, because now when I hang out with people... Like sometimes in my family, sometimes just like my family, they kind of saw the worst of it. So they don't, they don't do it so much anymore, but they'll be like friends. They'll be like, you can have like one drink. And I'm like, you don't understand where this goes. (laughs) Like with your sister, you're like, are you out of your mind? Like 
my back is destroyed. Like, yeah. what is wrong with you? No, people really don't understand if they're not in it. Also, fun fact, my sister has boy-girl twins. They, they're they 15. They're turning 16 in February. Oh, really? They're terrible to me. Terrible. Really? Terrible. <laughs> they have they're, – they're spoiled. Oh, uh, see, I was – I was definitely uh, looking back on when I was a kid. I was a shitty kid. Were you? Yeah. There was just certain things where I didn't understand the way the world worked. Yeah. So like if my sister would get something and I won it, I'd be like, what the fuck is going right, on? And they're right. like, well, it's your sister. Like she And I go, no, 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 no. We're all in this together. Like what is happening? Yeah. And I used to – but I also used to be the kid, obviously, who would be like, nobody likes me. Everybody mm-hmm. hates me. And I'd like stomp my feet and cry. I've always been an intention, attention seeker, but now I'm an attention seeker. I've grown out of that, <laughs> grown out of those methods, and now I just get on stage. No, that that's a reason to quit alcohol. I I have like my favorite thing is to smoke or eat an edible, and then like have like a couple like hard seltzers, yeah. like basic bitch drink. Um, but I definitely think alcohol is a slippery slope. Like I was disgusting and like blacked out drunk like i would like in college i woke up in my own vomit i would i have woken up and not known the guy that was next to me so what i want to get to that how did we how so (laughs) terrible how did you first i wanted to talk about how you got into like doing stand-up and doing comedy and the weed influencing so you're a lawyer so you went how did all that happen did you grow up in new york or yeah okay so i grew up in new york um dysfunctional childhood which made you know humor my defense mechanism right great for comedy great for comedy daddy didn't love me no he did i mean he fucking did it you know he didn't take care of us my parents got divorced and so i was really raised by a single mother and like i think like the baby also like the youngest in the family also tends to be the comedian uh so i don't know i've just always like been into comedy like in college i had a poster of larry david and did you really okay so that's what i was gonna ask so you've always been into it i've been always into it yeah when did you realize like oh i want to try this because in doing this show for as long as i have there's one thing i've noticed is a lot of people myself included you don't realize that comedy is an actual thing you can do yeah until later in life and there's some people I've had on there like, no, I've wanted to do comedy since I was like 10. And I was like, oh, well, I've loved comedy since I was like 12, but I didn't know stand up was an actual thing until I was yeah. like 16, 17. I just didn't know it was like an option for me, I guess, because like I was so set on like college wasn't an option the way that we grew up. It was like, you're going to college, yeah. like Jewish girl from Long Island, like you're going, you're to, going college. to college. Yeah. Where did you go? Uh, Binghamton, okay. upstate New York. I know Binghamton. Oh, I only okay. know it because Tony Kornheiser from a ESPN show went there and he talks about it. <laughs> the Bearcats. Bearcats. Binghamton Bearcats. Oh, they're not that great. I don't know. But uh, they went D1 the yeah. year that I started. There That's you go. Exciting. You're a springboard. Well, you know, then after I left, because they went D1, they were like recruiting all these um, athletes from everywhere. They had this really tall Serbian kid that was on the basketball team and put this kid in a coma. Like he beat the shit out of this kid and then fled back to Serbia and Did he really? never get prosecuted. Yeah. Binghamton was like, for it being like the best New York state school, like we call it like the public Ivy league, but like 
it's raw and nasty and That's how the dirty. University of Florida is. The university Because yes. I'm from Florida, and the okay. University of Florida is the most respected public school yeah, Gainesville. in Florida. Yeah, I applied there. I got in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but when you go there, you're like, this is the most respected public school in the state of Florida. Well, what's his face? Aaron Hernandez yeah. went there. My and the other there. guy. Aaron Hernandez went there. Who's the other? Fo- oh, Tim Tebow, yeah. the virgin. Is that true? I don't know. Whatever. Uh, this I played is... against Tim Tebow in college. Oh, so you went to Gainesville also? No, no, no. I played against him. I went okay. to Florida Atlantic University okay. in South Florida. But so you get to college and when when do you like start doing open mics? Like when do you start doing comedy? Not till a long time. I honestly, I... Worked. I I went to lo- straight through from college to law school. Where'd you go to law school? St. John's in Queens. I'm such a New Yorker. St. John's. St. John's, Queens, Jamaica, Queens. Right? Oh no, there's storm. Red storm. I knew red it was storm. Red, something. Yeah. Something. I should have probably gone to their basketball. They have a very games. good basketball. Team. <laughs> I know. I should have gone. But Shouts out to St. John's. St. John's. Thanks for my law school education. So you go there and then, because I'm always curious to know when people start, because I've had people on and they're like, yeah, I liked comedy. So I just started doing open mics. And I go, well, you need to get better at podcasting because that's not a story. And what a tangle web we weave here I know. on the show. It's, it's also interesting too, because I don't, because I'm only 18 months into New York. Um, oh, okay. I, like I've been doing comedy. I started comedy in 09 and now I've only been okay. in New York for 18 months. So it is weird because I'll have people on the show and they're, you know, I consider them my friends and like I'm excited to have them on. And then I'll bring it up to like other comics just randomly, like when we're hanging and they're like, oh, you had so-and-so. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know the beefs. I don't know who hates who. Like, I yeah. don't know. It doesn't matter. Like I, if you're a people, hard worker, yeah. that's all that matters. Well, and that's the and thing talented. Is, I always book people based on – there's three things that I always book people – because people are like – like I've had people on who have like no following. But I'm like I don't care. Like if I see that you're out like doing the work, like you know what I mean? Like going yeah. to the open mics and you're actually trying. Like you're not just getting up there and yelling. Yeah. Like I always want to – or if you have something going on. Like Hotbox or anything like that, and you want to yeah. promote it. Like anybody really who's doing work, I'm like, well, yeah, fucking come on and let's do it. Yeah. But then, like, I like sometimes I'll be or like the restaurant I work in is a really swanky steakhouse, so we have like bigger name people okay. come in. So sometimes I'll drop names to like it's a defense mechanism, yeah. but it's like I do this too. Like I just had so and so on my podcast, right, right, and I've done that before, and they've been like, you had them on, and I in my head I was like, oh, this is a bigger name, like I'll drop it. And just be like, oh, let me pick that up. And no, then they're like, yeah. oh, we don't like so-and-so. And I'm like, god damn it. I don't really have beef in comedy. No. There is – I have um, – I cursed out this lady uh, because she deserved it. She's the nastiest comic of them all and she only does bringer stuff and she's really nasty. Victoria Arnstein, have you heard know, of her no. yet? So you're like, don't even need to worry about her. Um. She heckled me at a show that we were both on. Don't fucking heckle Don't me. Don't heckle Like, have comment. respect for our craft. Yeah. I was silent during your show, your your set, and, like, I don't like you. So I ended up calling her a cunt and just, like, <laughs> you said that was so much. <laughs> so, yeah, you know. I had to. I well, sometimes said, the things must be done. She Well, she finally got me to lose my train of thought. Like she was heckling, heckling. It wasn't that bad. I kept on going, kept on doing my set. I also like love crowd work. I'm a crowd work comic. I know Are some you? people have That's mixed awesome. feelings about it. I'm bad at it. I I love it, I'm and just, I want to do. I'm just 
I'm just bad at it. Like it's not I don't have anything yeah. against it. I'm just not because of like being incarcerated so many times and like fights and everything. I'm very much like when I get on stage, it's like, okay, I'm gonna do my jokes. Yeah. Like I'm gonna tell my stories now. And if some people interact like I'm good, but if people like go like even if it's like they heckle like two or three times, I'm like, hey, I'm talking about going to jail. Like I'll come off the stage yeah. and beat the fucking piss out of you. And then the whole room is like <laughs> You can't do that. And I'm like, God damn it. I'm just, I'm so bad at it. Because I, yeah. I immediately go to anger and okay. then I lose the audience. And I'm like, oh yeah. No, I hear what you're saying. And I used to get nervous where I would just like memorize my set and never deviate. And I don't like that. No, and yeah. I, so to go back a little bit, I started doing improv. Okay. That's how I started comedy. That's why like I wanted to get good at crowd work because I was so nervous that I wasn't doing improv anymore that I would like memorize my sets like a psycho, but then I wasn't able to like enjoy the interacting with the audience, which is actually what the hot box is all about. Like it's a comedy yeah. talk show. We have an interactive audience. Also, what do you know? Stoners aren't nasty hecklers. Only yeah, drunk right? people are. It's the drunks. The drunks are so mean. The drunks are nasty and mean. It is interesting you say that because in the South, when I would like go tour around, like, you know, go do different bringer shows or not bringer shows, tr like triple run shows, yeah. like one nighters and stuff. It was interesting because in that environment, it was very much like the crowd interaction was almost secondary. It was a lot like there are comics who are very good at it. So that's what they would go to. Right. But it was a lot of like, all right, I'm going to go up and do my set. And like you'd interact with yeah. the crowd, but it was more like set based. And then the crowd stuff was secondary. And then when I moved to New York, I was like, oh, it's flipped. Like you have to be like, the crowd has to be a part of like what you're doing. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, they have to love you. Yeah. So like when I I remember, and I've told this story before, so I apologize listeners, but my first show at The Stand, I was so okay. excited because I was like, I moved yeah. to New York, like I'm finally doing it. I'm doing a show at The Stand. And I went up there and like you're talking about, I just did my set. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't interact or anything yeah. and it went okay. Right. Like I didn't bomb, but I didn't crush. It right. was just okay. And then like a week later, I had a show at the cellar and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to fucking worry about anything. Like, I'm just going to get up there. Like, I didn't write a set list down or anything. I was like, okay. I'm just going to get up there and go. I've been doing this long enough to where I'm just going to trust myself. Yeah. And it went so well because yep. I immediately started just talking to the audience and it, they were like, yeah, this is why we come to the cellar. And I was like, oh, this is totally different than what I'm used to. I'm used to yeah. like in the South where it's like the stage is pretty far away. The people are pretty spread out and it's like, we're just going to do the set. I see what you're saying. Yeah, like I need an audience. Like I connect with people. That's how I am like mm -hmm. as a human like yeah. a, and my personality and everything. But I get pushback from people. Like I've had people that I'm friends with be like, I'm not booking you because it's too much crowd work. I'm like, okay. Like really? I just have to like be me. I also like don't have – I used to, but it was from 2019 before COVID. I don't have like this ultimate amazing tape anymore because I do so much crowd work. I'd say half my set can be crowd work oh, sometimes. Wow. Yeah. So like I have these great nights. Like the one show I did since surgery, I fucking killed. Mm -hmm. And I have the whole thing recorded and I'd love to send the tape out the – question is whether someone is going to be receptive because it's a lot of crowd work that's uh, you see that on some, a lot of the yeah. festival submissions it's oh, like no crowd work it. no local I references know. no that like just do your set and that's like ah god but then i'm not you know i really believe that you have to forge your own path absolutely well that's why i'm doing like the one-man show that i'm doing it's because everyone was like your material is 
like a little dark for clubs. Like it's not like okay. silly because yeah. I talk about like you know when I used to hurt myself and the alcoholism yeah. and all that, and I try to make jokes about it because I think it's funny. And I know if AA has taught me anything, I'm not unique. There's a lot of people like me. Okay, and I quote it all the time. But Kyle Kinane always says, you know, I don't need everybody. I just need enough to fill a room. Right, right. So that's been my whole mentality for my yeah. whole career. <clears throat> So then I was talking to some comics one time at the stand. We were just doing a hang and we're talking. And one of them turned to me and goes, genuinely, have you ever thought about doing a one-man show? Because your material is a little too dark for the like club silliness. So then I I thought about it and I decided to do it. Now, over the course of the last eight months, I put it together and we're premiering it January 30th. Oh, my God. And we're billing it as a one-person show. So then that way there's no confusion. This is not a stand-up hour. Like yeah. This is going to be – because all these stories that I have, I'll tell comics offstage because those are my only friends are comics. Yeah. And they go, oh, my God, dude, that's crazy. Right, right, And then right. I go to try to do it on stage, and people are like, this is this is sad. And I'm like, what is yeah. happening? You know – do you know Chris Gethard? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He had a fantastic one-man show called Career Suicide, and it was about his mental health and suicide attempts. It was fantastic. Fantastic, unbelievable. He was up there by himself for over 80 minutes. It was so amazing. That's awesome. To, so I saw it live. Okay. I'm very lucky. Like I went to see it and then Judd Apatow and HBO produced it for that. Well, see, and that's the other thing too is I'm, I hired – being in New York, it's so awesome because it's just like, oh – I need a video crew. And in yeah. Florida, it's like you have to like search these people out. In yeah. New York, you literally put one ad on Upwork. Uh-huh. And like I had like 10 responses within an hour where people are like, I'll shoot it. I'll shoot it. I'll shoot yeah. it. I'll shoot it. So it's like, oh, I'll just shoot it. And then I've, I've met – I've been fortunate enough to have met so many people doing comedy just in the year and a half I've been in New York where it's yeah. like, oh, then I can go on their podcast and promote it. And then – Oh, yeah. Like, totally. who knows what can happen. Where are you doing it on January 30th? I'm doing it at um, the Producers Club. Oh. Okay, I want to find out. I want all the details. I yeah, will come and support. Yeah, I'll yeah. give you all the information. But let's get back to you. Okay. This is not about me. Let's talk okay. about you. So you go into improv, then you go into stand up, and you're more like you said. You're you're more crowd work based. Where are you as far as law school and everything when you're doing that? Okay, so it wasn't until I moved to DC at 30 years old that I started doing improv comedy. Okay, so you're out of law school. You're out actually, of everything. Okay. But but over the course of like my 20s, let's say you know between college law school and then like the rest of my 20s I am constantly being told by people that I'm like should do this or I should do that like go to an improv class do this and then I finally did it in DC because I'm actually not friends with anybody that I was in improv with anymore I talked to this one guy James thanks for your Paramount Plus password he's so kind shout out James James um but uh, I wanted – I was like, D.C. so square. Yeah. Like that's the only way to describe it. Did I was you like, go there for work? Yeah, I went there for a what job. Le- I was an attorney for a nonprofit. Okay. Um, and it was just like so not my town. And I thought, okay, now like let me do improv here because it's a smaller community. Mm-hmm. And like I drank the Kool-Aid and like that was it. Like I started improv in like September 2013 and like that was that. And then I had moved back to New York and I was doing a lot of improv at UCB. But like this is the truth. I love UCB. It gave me like a tremendous – Upright Citizens Brigade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It gave me a tremendous education in comedy. It gave me opportunities. It gave me friendships, whatever. But it is su- – this is before COVID because now everything's different. But before COVID, it was like a factory. Like I was never getting on a house team. I was never going to shine. Yeah. Like also I realized 
I'm not a character actor. Like I, every time I would do like an exaggerated version of myself, it would get more laughs than any time I tried to do like an accent. I'm not an accent person. Yeah. I'm not Kate McKinnon who like. That's the big thing. Yeah. Is like when I when I tell people that I do stand up and I move to New York, they're like, "Are you going to try and get on SNL?" And I go, "No, I do stand up. I don't. Exactly. I'm, I'm not a sketch comic. I'm a exactly. stand up comic. Yeah, and like improv. Like you look at Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Like all of those people like are character actors. Yeah, and I'm not knocking it. They're it's fantastic at it. That's just not what I, I do. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not good at it. So then I finally had someone say to me I'm actually not friends with this person anymore moral of the story I'm not friends with a lot of people anymore (laughs) (laughs) but he was like if you don't do stand up you're wasting a talent oh wow so and I had gotten out of a horrible relationship like the worst ever I mean he actually had lived with me so it was like super toxic I was kicking him out of my apartment and I was like I have nothing to lose like what's the big deal yeah so I was like fuck it and I signed up for comedy seller the Rick Crumb I always say his last name. Rick Crom. Crom. He does a class there. Because oh, okay. I was like, I need to learn how to write. Because yeah. like um, improv, you obviously are improvising everything. So that was like summer 2018. So it's been about like four years, a little oh, wow. bit more. So yeah. I've been doing exclusively stand-up. And then the hot box, I started a year ago. That's awesome. Yeah. So <clears throat> you <clears throat> mentioned you. it. Obviously, this is before improv and stand-up and everything like that. When you got to college, were you already a big party person or because yeah when did you start smoking weed because that's your big thing um i had my first drink in ninth grade a beer at the east meadow bowling alley (laughs) shout out east meadow east meadow bowling alley east meadow that's where i grew up and i lived like right next door to the bowling alley so we would go walk over from my house such a suburban story and meet with these guys that were like two to three years older than us and and then friends with also adults that were like fire they were all like volunteer firefighters from the like the next town over it is creepy that they hung out with ninth graders yeah that's so disgusting nothing ever happened though like just that i tried alcohol stuff when i was 16 I threw a party at my house and wanted to try weed for the first time and thought it was better to leave everybody at my house and go for a ride with my guy friends. Oh, so you... uh... I left my own party with teenagers there by themselves because I was more worried about the weed. So you you didn't throw a party hoping someone would bring weed. You threw a party and then someone at the party was like, hey, do you want to go do weed? And you were like, hell yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I was like, not here. Let's drive. Let me leave all these teenagers alone in my mom's house and let's drive someplace. That's the better, safer move. I'm an idiot. (laughs) So what happened? You tried it? and So I tried it. It was fine. But then we came home and the cops were there. Just hanging out? Everybody was like, where the fuck have you been? And I was like, what are you talking about? I just went out (laughs) to get something. And they were like, you left your own fucking party. And the cops were called and like they were like, whose house is this? And nobody could answer. Oh, my so God. So my mom flew home from her vacation early. She was oh, like very no. angry. Yeah, because all the neighbors called. It was terrible. I was very, very – I was punished. But I also was like crying because like my mom was so angry. Like I was that kind of kid. Yeah. Like I didn't want her to be you disappointed. You didn't want to disappoint. Exactly. Yeah. So then when you got to uh, college, were you more of a weed person or a drinking person? I was definitely more of a drinking person, but I smoked a lot. And that's like how people were friends. Like okay. it's still kind of like how no, it is now. Yeah. yeah. You go to but, the smoker's table yeah. outside. Yeah. Yeah. And like, 
But I was bad in college. Like Let's I get just, into it. Let's get into it. I was disgusting. I didn't love myself Me enough. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Blackout drunk, puking, uh, having sex with a man that like there's one visiting. I was in a sorority. There was like a fraternity visiting from a school that I don't even remember which school. Oh, wow. Yeah, that guy couldn't point him out to you. He slept in my bed that night with me and like. But how did it, so when you get to college, are you like, I want to join a sorority, I want to meet new friends, or like, like take me through the whole thing, okay. like how did it? So I got to college, and the girls that I became, so okay, 60 people or something from my high school went to Binghamton. Okay. So I was like, very much like, I I, I need to forge my own path, like, I, I don't. So this was like the local school for where you grew up. A lot of people went to Binghamton, I yeah, mean, 60's yeah. 60's a lot. 60, and, and, and Monica I decided I was not going to be best friends with this girl, Monica. Monica, anymore. yeah. Monica. She ended up going to law school with me too. Oh, really? She was blowing kisses at me at our law school graduation party. I was like, Ugh. she's like, can we be friends again? I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm not interested. Um, but I guess so. Like, I I became friends with closer with this other girl from my high school, and then and then these group of girls. I don't know. Something happened first semester freshman year, and Betsy would take Fuck whole Betsy. fucking bottles of Advil and then we'd have to call the Binghamton. This, it was, are you in the sorority at this point? No. It's, okay. fr- it's first semester freshman first, year. Okay. Betsy, and we'd have to call, it was called Harper's Ferry, our our campus ambulance. <laughs> Is it really? Because Harper was a school, the liberal arts school that everybody was in and a Harper's Ferry. I have no idea. Do you, you know what Harper's Ferry is a reference to? No. Right? What is it? I don't know anything. I feel like is it – what is you it? Ha- you're a lawyer. You have to know this. What is Harper's Ferry? Should I know what that is? It's I don't a, know. a whole thing with uh, slavery, abolitionists, rebellion. That it saved slaves. I hope it was um, – John Brown's raid on Harper's Ferry was all his own, said oh, Frederick Douglass. shit. I don't know enough about history. I well, that was what I did. Okay, I I mean I history was my minor. Actually. I was gonna say it has to be, <laughs> but I don't school. know that. I don't know. I do know some history, but yeah. that's uh, why when you said it, I was like, she's baiting me. She wants me to like try to mansplain it to her. So oh no, like, you piece of shit. No, I really am not sure. <laughs> Harper's Harper. I thought it was from Harper School. No, John. Well, Harper's Ferry originally. John Brown. It was a raid that John Brown, the white abolitionist, did, where he okay. would take broadswords and cut people in half, cut slave owners in half and stuff. Well, that's cool. So it was named Harper's after Ferry. something yeah. good. Well, our Harper's Ferry just tried <laughs> to get Advil out of Betsy's so stomach. They don't. They don't even have to pump your stomach for that, do they? I don't know. We kept on going to the hospital with her. I was like, this bitch is crazy. So then you decided to join the sorority. Yes, because I was like, I gotta get away I, from these. I'm girls. tracking. I'm yeah. tracking. Because even in my head now, I'm like, you've got to get. Got to get these. away from them. So, um, yeah, I pledged Alpha Phi. I was hazed. Uh, what was that like? Tell us. You, you oh didn't my even God. put that down. What was that like? Oh, I mean, I was. Fucking haze. We were the worst white girl sorority on campus. And we would take that as our like, you think you're bad? We're fucking locked in basements. Like we They would lock you in basements? Oh my god, all the time. And sleep deprived, like all that circle the fat shit, that was what the other That's what the lesser sorority, ones. Exactly. Did. We actually were haze. You're we, goons. We were like degenerates, like fucking that's yeah, it's a different kind of. We were like the chill, cool girls. Then. There was like 
the girls two years older than us, I found out when we were pledging that they were cokeheads. And I was like, oh, fuck, I joined the cokehead sorority. I didn't yeah. know that. Um, I did have an experience, like a, a time with cocaine. When was that? Senior year of college. Of college? What yeah, happened? Yeah, I really wanted to Adderall try Adderall wasn't it. doing it for you anymore? Oh, my God. I was Adderall is probably the only thing besides alcohol that I've had a problem maybe maybe i do have more of a oh it happens a lot on the show yeah like it's interesting because when you when you course it out over yeah. the course of your entire life you're like oh that was you know that that happened there and that happened there but then when we condense it down into a one hour show and i'm like tell me all the things then you're like oh maybe there is a lot more of this stuff than i thought I'm like, uh, I was almost having an intervention about Adderall, but I actually used it to study. Yeah. It wasn't recreational. I, <laughs> there's a very funny comic in front of the show. Shout out Aaron Eads, the St. Augustine comic, but he has this whole bit where he talks about, uh, he goes, yeah, my friend has a serious drug problem. He's addicted and we have to have an intervention for him. The only problem is like his apartment has never been cleaner. He's killing it at work. He's yeah. addicted to Adderall and everybody laughs. But I'm like, that's exactly the feeling that I got when I take it. Yeah. Because I didn't take it too often in college, but it was a thing. And oh, yeah. I would take my my buddy had it and I'd take some if I had to like get a paper done. You know, those fucking yeah, yeah, 15 yeah. page papers. I would stay and in And then the, you wait until yeah. the last minute to do it. And, and the then computer you, pods. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. For like 12 hours straight. Yeah, smoking cigarettes outside. And I remember turning to some of my other like like the other people in the library and stuff in the computer area. And I remember turning to them being like, have you guys ever tried Adderall? This stuff is amazing. <laughs> this stuff is amazing. <laughs> That's so spot on. I, I, would, I would sometimes, because I was literally with my nose like this in a book, I had friends be like, yo, you have any more? They would just see me like yeah. that in the library. So how did you even get into Adderall? Were you prescribed it or was it something you no, kind of fell into? it was something that... That I found out and learned how to do like all nighters to the point that when I graduated college, I said, I will never do it in law school. I'm going to learn how to not procrastinate and do it. And I never did it again. Okay. That's I did it good. only for recreational purposes yeah. one time after that. Um, but how did the cocaine come about then? I just really wanted to try it. I felt like college was the time to try Absolutely. everything. Yeah. So I was like, I want to try it before I graduate. <laughs> So then I was like, oh, this is cool. Um, but I had a really bad come down the last time I ever did it. And I had this like dork in my bed. I don't even remember. His name was John or Joe or something. We, like, we hooked up a bunch. Dork. But he was like, His name was Dork. Dork. And he we had, like hooked up a bunch. But like he was younger. And I just like woke him up at 5 a.m. And I was like, I'm driving you back to campus. Oh, you were living off campus at the time? Yeah, at the I was a senior. House, yeah. yeah. So like, I'm like, I'm driving you back to campus because I hadn't did... slept. He had no idea what was happening. It's like, I'm just like, mm. <laughs> I'm driving you home. And then I'm going to, and then I tried to go back to sleep. Like, I don't like that feeling. And like, part of why I hate being hungover because yeah. I would get violently ill. Like I now could throw up like the whole next day that didn't happen in college. But like. I hate the idea of even with a hangover, like when you're feeling sick and you just want to fall back asleep, but you can't. Yeah. Like, that's why I like cannabis because cannabis usually helps me sleep. Yeah. And like, you don't feel I know a lot of people bad. who take yeah. it to sleep and then they feel fine in the morning. Oh, I feel fine. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those things when I remember being in even college, post-college, whatever, but like, because my anxiety runs so hot. Oh, I'd be like, yeah. I have to drink because I was yeah. always a drinker. Weed always made me paranoid. And I know now- 
being older and with all the information that it just depends on what you smoke. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. When I was in college, we didn't know that. It was, oh, it you know, didn't My roommate it. just went and got yeah. weed and then we, I would try it and I was like, I don't like this. Um, but yeah, so my anxiety would always run super hot. So I used to drink to sleep because I couldn't sleep without drinking. Yeah. Oh, and every day, it, it you know, your day starts three hours after you get up because it's this whole thing where it's like, all right, got to like get up, get going, take some Advil, try yeah. and drink some water, get this hangover out of here. And then your day starts. Oh, I hate the feeling sick. You need Intica probably That's, because yeah, you, so you're lot. not in your head. Yeah. Like I like sativa during the day. So I push through that in my head anxiety. Sometimes I like it and then I just push through. But Well, sometimes um, it's good too. It's anxiety good. can be a very great motivator. Well, and I am super open about my anxiety. Um, oh, yeah, before too. the car accident, I... I was on like a low-level Celexa for a little while just for anxiety. I've never actually experienced depression until after my car accident was mm -hmm. the first time I truly can understand. Like not like I'm um, sad for a while or in a funk because of something that happened. Like I was for real in depression because yeah. I felt completely like – Hopeless and helpless because nobody was listening to me. Just disconnected. Yeah. yeah. So I'm on two very strong antidepressants now and they're great. There you go. <laughs> so, I mean, those, the, they, uh, they work. And I have a really good psychiatrist. This is like the kind of doctor that I have is that when I maxed out my Zoloft and I'm explaining to her how well I think I'm doing, she's like, so you're still crying all the time. We need to bump this up. And she gave me my second one. And I was, and I told her after, I was like, I need you to know that like I needed that. And that's the kind of doctor that I want to go to. Yeah. Because it's not therapy. I have therapy myself. It's separate. Like it's just a psychiatrist. But you want someone that is looking at who who's in front of you, not just like bullshitting and yeah, hearing it. And then like, woman, I just talked about this last week because I went to go see a psychoneurologist. Okay. And after the first session, like I went back the next month and he just prescribed me Adderall, Klonopin and Xanax. Didn't, didn't get to know me anymore. Just no. like, here's the prescription. See you later. And it almost killed me. I also don't. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't think that you have three of those three together. Yeah. He gave me, um, Adderall for my ADHD and like to help me focus. He gave me Klonopin. Um, time release so to handle my anxiety and then he gave me Xanax for anxiety attacks as needed yeah, yeah. see weed would be better in that and I was just like yeah. ah as needed it's always needed no Xanax is like uh uh no that's, that's strong I mean I've taken Xanax obviously oh, yeah. whatever like but also like I had two panic attacks in the emergency room after the car accident because it was rollover. We were hanging upside oh, down. God. So it was like really crazy. Yeah. So I had two panic attacks. And of course, then they just like shoved me off with yeah. Valium and didn't care about the rest of my body because they were like, she's fine. She just can't handle it. So it's like the mental health is- It's a huge aspect a when huge it comes to a lot of part of it, stuff. but it doesn't negate the physical parts. Absolutely. Like that's what I also, but yeah. So you do the cocaine, you take Dork home. Oh, yeah. And then you just decided you're not going to do cocaine anymore after that? That not sleeping, that come down yeah. really was rough. And I had had like two or three months that I was doing it like every night out, yeah. like every weekend. And I was so like, you were kinda... I, think I, I think I'm okay. Yeah. I, just I think I'm done. I didn't think it was like that amazing. Like what's weird. It's not. It's really it's not. It's not. But what's weird is like I've never done it since college. And I still, some like as I talk about it still right now, I can still like 
taste it. Yeah. Like I, my nose will feel it's like it a forever. Thing, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, mm, that tastes pretty good. But no. <laughs> I haven't done it since college. So then um, you finish college. When you get to law school, you, you stop the Adderall. You yeah. don't do the Coke anymore. Are you doing what you said? Are you like partying still? Or no. Like I mean, well, I'm still drinking. Okay. Like, and that, like drinking is always acceptable. Like that's the fucked up part. Yeah. Is that like, especially in law school and my first job out of law school, I was at the district attorney's office Everyone in the Bronx. There. <laughs> and I only know that because- I want to tell you this real quick because I think yeah. you're going to appreciate it. So I uh, get arrested. I go. I finished college in 2012. Okay. Um, a lot of my – I was in pre-law society, the whole thing, yada, yada, yada. Uh, so then about three years later – no, I guess, yeah. So a lot of my friends graduated before me because okay. I was an alcoholic by then. So it took me a couple extra years. So anyway, long story short, in 2014, after I finished – or 13, when I finished rehab, I'm living in a halfway house. I, we get pulled over for something. They run my name. I've got a warrant out for my arrest. Okay. So I get shipped back down to South Florida. Okay. It's three years after college. Yeah. What else takes three years? Law school. Law school, yeah. So then I show up to go in front of the judge, and guess who's all working for the state prosecutors? Oh, Everyone shit. I was in pre-law society with. Kids that I was like, how did you pass the bar? You oh, dumb so many fuck. dummies. So many dummies. So I walk out, orange jumpsuit, shackled up, and I look across the courtroom, and three out of this five state prosecutors are all kids I went to college That's with. That's crazy. That's crazy. And I was like, hey, guys. You didn't miss anything. Law school is a racket. You you don't make the money. Only a handful of attorneys make the money that's yeah. worth paying those loans. Well, so what happens? So you get out and you go start to work for the DA and then- Yeah. And then it was like, I wasn't really smoking because like cannabis was still- Frowned upon. Frowned upon, still legal in New York and whatever. So instead I continued to binge drink and be a total fucking whore half the time. I actually don't have that many one night stands, but they are so disgusting to me. And that's my own thing against myself. I have no, my whole thing is like, first of all, I'm not here to judge anybody else. Absolutely, I'm saying it yeah. about myself. But my whole thing is like, it wasn't because I was like feeling good about myself and wanted to have casual sex and could handle it. It was because I was blacked out drunk like needed male attention and like didn't even remember it most of the it's time. It's the self-worth thing. That's, yeah. Because I've done that before too. Um, I'm very – people make fun of me a lot because I'm very effeminate, I guess you'd say. Okay. For being like a former D1 – I was raised by women mostly. Oh, Like my sisters and stuff. That's good. So like I'll cry at commercials oh, and stuff. Oh, you need are, to cry. Yeah. Yes. But – that was the thing was I, I remember having one night stands in college and even a little bit after college where I didn't like the person, exactly. but I knew they had a crush on me and I just wanted to feel wanted. Yeah. So you just have sex with them. And then I felt like such shit after because like I never so understood bad. guys who'd be like, fuck yeah, man. Yeah. Right? I'd be like, oh, I feel dirty and gross. Yeah, I, feel- I used the person. I knew they liked me. I didn't like them, yeah. but I wanted the attention. So I just used them. And I was like, I feel like shit. I just wanted to feel like wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't even matter if I met them that night or I met them bef- like before. You know, from before, yeah. Like, I just wanted to feel wanted. And it was never satisfying for me. Like, casual sex never. doesn't work with me. So, like, like I just posted this bit that I did at that at the show the other day. Like, I turned 30 and decided I wasn't going to be a slut anymore. <laughs> I was like, okay. 
be serious. But it was like, <laughs> I, <laughs> it was like, how could I like, and I would cry. This is like so much of the stuff that I worked to, through with my father and therapy, like, and everything. It's like, I was so desperate to have like a man take care of me. And I was like desperate f- to be in a relationship, but I was like, a drunken mess. Like, yeah. who would want that to be committed? You're telling to that? my story. <laughs> but I'll tell you, like, I had one casual moment right before my surgery. I hadn't had sex since before my car accident. So I went like about eight months. I was dating someone, a comedian. That's all I'll say on this thing. Yeah. It's hard comedians dating comedians. It depends on it's Oh, we know. We've talked about it <laughs> a lot on this show, and you know who you are. <laughs> Not uh, me. I, I, not, my ex okay. is not a comedian. Okay, okay. I've had people on who've dated comics. Oh, it's, yeah. It's always the same reaction. They go, a comic. Well, it's just like, we're actually still really good friends, like, whatever. It's just like, you know, it's different. Here, I'm going to tell the truth. I always tell the truth. I am still an attorney during the day. I have, like, an education. I have a salary. Yeah. It's, I, I really can't with, like, You're a, big a broke ass, broke yeah. as fuck, you know, yeah, and I'm that's in my thing. 30s. Well, that's the thing with like, I, same, same, same. Not the exact same because obviously didn't go to law school, Don't not the attorney, but I have a very good job at night. Yeah. I work in a swanky steakhouse and I've been, I like worked in restaurants all through college and stuff. And then when I got out, I was like, I like this better than sitting in an office. This is okay, just, yeah. you get to walk around, I'm yeah. talking, I'm meeting different people. I've met so many, like, especially at this place I work now, I've met so many like crazy, like famous people. That's invited awesome. a couple of them to like bar shows and stuff. Don't ever do that. <laughs> but but it's also one of those things where I love doing it and it's a lot of fun. And then people are like, oh, well, if you're really committed to comedy, you need to quit your night job. And I go, mm, I can make my rent in like one weekend. I'm not quitting my night yeah. job. And they go, well, if you want to be fully committed, I go, I moved across the country for comedy. Like uh-huh. I'm committed. Yeah. Yeah. Like I do. Yeah. And it's these people telling me this that are the people who go to like three or four open mics a day. I know. And I'm like. I have three podcasts and I also am like doing shows. I've produced and put together and created an entire one man show all by myself. Yeah. Like, why are you telling me I need to quit no, my job? I so agree with you. Cause like, basically I'm like, I don't have all this time to waste. Cause I didn't start comedy like fresh out of college or anything yeah. or during college that like, I want to be smart and efficient. And they're like, you have to be on stage every day. And I'm like, I'm tired from being an attorney and in court all day. Like yeah. I can't do it. But like, so that's why I created the hot box and like, that's really taking off. It's like, not everything is about going to four open mics like you or, or being booked on as many shows as possible. Like Especially being injured, unfortunately, and I feel bad like every time I've had to like drop out of a show, but I live in Washington Heights and I'm like, I'm not going from Washington Heights to Bushwick for five minutes. Yeah. I feel the same like, way. Like for I'll, an unpaid bar show. When I request, sometimes people will be like, hey, do you want to do my show? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And I'll request off of work. But then if I can't book like three or four more shows in that same night, it's like I just lost out on like $500 yeah. to do – a yeah. bar show for five minutes where no one's paying attention. I think about it all the time because, too, just from an analytical standpoint, the reach is so much greater from doing stuff like this yes. and like like the hot box and stuff like that Yeah. versus doing like six – like you do four open mics and three shows in a day. Like who are you going to – how many – you're going to reach maybe 300 people, maybe yeah. half of which are paying attention. Well, and 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 half of the people you're reaching are comics that yeah. are not going to view you as like that. Like like – I think that comedians do not focus on their Instagram enough. Like I tell 
People, I hated it for I'm so like, long, but it's been such a you game changer. Have, it's you a have game to. changer. I am stuck at home. I've been on disability since August, and then I had the surgery in October. So it's been like four months that I've been stuck at home. The thing that has kept me going and my sanity, because I would actually finally get bored of TV. Yeah. Like getting high and watching TV is fucking amazing, but it can't get bored After every day. After three months, you're like, all right. <laughs> And I and I and I did re- refrain from a lot of cannabis for a while after surgery and stuff, but um, it's it's building my cannabis influencer partnerships and building the hot box. Yeah, the like, brand. Yeah, yeah, because I now have paid partnership with Eureka Vapor. They like love me, and now they're, and they're um, helping me get out to Denver to do the hot box there. Oh, that's awesome! And we're doing an infused celebrity chef dinner. I've connected with celebrity chefs and like different people on Instagram. And I also now um, have an official partnership with Weedfeed. That's like a major media company in cannabis. They have like well over 500,000 followers. And we're going to do this like big high level March 4th show. Like that's like they want like a lot of time. And like that wouldn't have happened if if I wasn't. Yeah. If you were just focused on doing mics all day. The mics are not going to pay you. Well, and the other thing too, I totally understand where people come from where it's like you have to work on the credit. You have to do that. And it's like. Yeah, but you've been doing it like some of these people. I'm like, you've been doing it for six months or a year. I've been yes. doing this for over a decade. Exactly. Like, I've got the set. I'm all right. You're fine. And like, it's just, I want, like, I, I appreciate all the stage time, but I, I had to prioritize a little yeah. bit different. Like, well, uh, I used to yeah. never do social media. I used okay. to rail against social media because I was like, this yeah. confounded contraption. I get on stage and I make people laugh, and that's what I do. <laughs> and I would rail against it. And then I did the TikToks with Hannah Burner and stuff. Okay. And I wear my merch in the TikToks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I sold like four shirts. Like from yeah. the very first video she posted, this was months ago, it got millions of views. Like my website traffic spiked. Everything yeah. spiked because people saw the shirt and they go, what's X drinking, buddy? And they looked at uh-huh. everything spiked. And I was like, God damn it. There's something to this social media thing. So then I started I should have worn a like, Hotbox t-shirt. I wasn't thinking this well, morning. Then I started. <laughs> the Hotbox. And then I started like posting more clips. Yeah. And I was like, oh, and like some of them don't get it, like a few hundred views, but then some of them like jump. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, man, there is something to this. I mean, look at Andrew Schultz. Like yeah. his whole YouTube blew up even more so when COVID hit and he got his Netflix yeah, show. Yeah, turn your phone, that yeah. whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it, you need to be smart and strategic, especially if you're not like 22. Um, well, yeah, because we're older. So it's like, we got to do this now. Yeah, I'm not gonna, I don't have all this time to waste. And like, I can't continue to like work two jobs. <laughs> it is very, very hard. So like my goal is to do cannabis and comedy and whatever full time. Cannabis and comedy. Con- they go to he- together, hands in hands, cannabis and comedy. So like, yeah, but um, wait, what was I saying about the drinking? Oh, so like I, I did have a casual experience. Yeah, before you before surgery. my surgery, with a guy. You you know those people that like you always run into them, but like you're not really friends with them. Yeah, like he's one of those guys and has like you know slid into my DMs in the past. Yeah, he has. And you tell him, hey, after my thirtieth birthday, I don't do this anymore. Did you tell him? <laughs> no, but I did tell him. 
ew, you're a crazy Trump supporter. But uh, no, we ran into each other like the Sunday night at this rosé wine thing and it's the alcohol. And then I had sex with him and I never want to do it again. I'm sorry. I'm not interested. That doesn't make me feel bad because like I deserved it and I know him. But like it wasn't some like wonderful experience that makes me feel good. And I'm and I'm not like other women, I guess, where I'm like I see it for what it was. What it was, what it is. And yeah. he grosses me out. Like it's never happening. Uh, bang bang, that's fired. I guess I'll wait another eight months. It's fine. Whatever. At least he did what he needed to do. Cause uh I need stuff done to me. <laughs> that's the way it goes. Well, I appreciate you so much for coming on. <laughs> Thank you. Plug for everything one me. more time. Okay. Follow me on Instagram at Danit Sibs, D-A-N-I-T-S-I-B-S, and also at thehotbox.nyc. December 11th, we're doing a huge infused brunch. (laughs) December 11th. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening at Brennan T. Comedy on all social media, brennantcomedy.com. The one-man show, also titled X Drinking Buddy, but not a podcast. It's going to be a one-man show. January 30th, The Producers Club, 6.30 and 8.30 shows. Tickets go on sale December 1st, so they're already sold out, hopefully. God willing. Yeah. Thank you again for coming on. Thank you for having me. This was great. Perfect. Perfect.